Yo, what is up? Gary here back again with a new episode of Hop Talk, the Hopped podcast where we sit down and talk craft beer with some of our favorite people in the beer industry. Today, I'm up in the city of Ventura at a brewery that I've loved since the very first time that I visited back in January of 2020. These guys made the list of our top 25 breweries in Southern California this year. They have a killer lager and IPA program. Their taproom concept is super cool and very well executed. They're connected to one of Ventura County's most beloved pizza restaurants, and they have some of the best ocean views of any brewery here on the West Coast. Is that enough hype? Okay, good. So my guest today is Carrie Jonker, owner and head brewer of Transmission Brewing Company. Carrie is like part renaissance man and part man of mystery. This guy builds, he tinkers, he designs, he brews, he restores, he races, and there's really very little that's been written or published about him online. That is, until now. Okay, in all seriousness, I'm a big fan of Transmission, and it was really cool to sit down with Carrie, dig into his background, and unravel his story just a little bit, and talk beer, brewing, customer experience, and his plans for the future of Transmission. Okay, that's it. That's the intro. Let's get into the episode. A quick word from our sponsors. Hilo Liquor Market is the best craft beer store in Southern California, hands down. I could end the ad read right there if I needed to, but hear me out. Their beer selection is one of the best in Southern California, showcasing a lot of rad local breweries that you just don't see all too often. And they have a deep selection of rare, hard-to-find whales from some of the best breweries in the country and beyond. The stores are super cool, and they're staffed up with a really knowledgeable team that will help you find whatever your palate is looking for. Head out to their stores in Culver City, Long Beach, or their new one in Costa Mesa and check them out for yourselves. They do a really cool Friday night flight tasting that is super fun, and they also do delivery if that's more your thing. So if you love beer and you want to support the work we're doing here at Hopped, you gotta check out Hilo. You won't be disappointed. I guarantee it. Hilo. Drink well. I love this building, what you guys have done here. Uh, I remember when you guys were under construction and just being like, wow, this is going to be an interesting spot. And mm-hmm. it really has turned into one. So um, Transmission Brewing, you guys have been on my radar uh, since you guys opened uh, in early 2020. Just, I feel like I've just been super stoked on what you've been putting out, like straight out of the gate. Fast forward a few years. You got some experience under your belt. Uh, we've weathered the storm quite a little bit, and mm-hmm. you guys have expanded the space. There's just so much going on. Super excited for what you're doing. Um, for anyone that doesn't know Transmission, which I think in like if you zoom out to broader broader Southern California, I think there's a lot of people that might not know about you guys. So who sure. are you? What's Transmission all about? Sure, we have been kind of under. We don't do any advertising of any sort. We- we hardly put something on social media, <laughs> so I don't know. We're, we're very much a, a local uh, local spot with our with our eyes to the local community, um, and part of that plays into our space and and who comes here and and all that. Who knows? Maybe 
this is our first exposure to the, the, to the greater, <laughs> the greater beer world, maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we had the idea of, of, well, obviously I'm into beer. Um, so origin story here, um, homebrewed forever. There's, there it is. Oh, there it is. There it is. That's homebrew 2.0. Um, nice little structure. Yeah. We just did a, uh, a tap room slash other brewery employee homebrew session. Oh, you busted it out. Yeah. We're, nice. we're, we're, uh, one batch deep into that. We'll see how long people nice. want to do it, but it's the thing I always wanted to do where we like supply grain, mm-hmm. help them with a the recipe, train everybody, let them produce five gallons of beer. And then inevitably it sits in a fermenter for way too long. And yeah, everybody is there for the brew day and then it ends there. <laughs> right. We'll see. I, uh, it's not about the end result. Really? No. Like it's about the process. Yeah. And it brings people in a little. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, so, I, uh, I have a background in kind of sciences, um, and there you go, um, mechanical stuff, I guess I'd say. Um, and then grew up in a, in a restaurant family. Um, Mm -hmm. so my family's done pizza restaurants and that's a family thing that you can't, you're, you're entrenched in it, um, from the beginning. So, um, and that's, that's been a family business. They started in, in the eighties and, uh, you know, I wanted to do something complimentary, um, and had the opportunity to, to do something that I was passionate about beer, um, in conjunction with that customer service side of things and, and, and get that community space that restaurants offer, um, so yeah, went through a brewing school, um, American Brewers Guild. Uh, it's a good program, um, and uh, here we are. Yeah. So if uh, you're talking to someone, um, maybe not in the area, and mm-hmm. you're kind of given the the one liner of like what transmission brewing is, like what's your philosophy here? What's what do you how do you describe it? Um, part of what I yeah maybe maybe cheesy but you know i with with like taproom employees when we do an orientation start somebody off um i i like the term a lot and i don't know where i first heard it but beer positive um i haven't heard that so that's something that like when i'm sitting everybody down i go okay here's how we act behind a bar and here's how we welcome consumers and 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 we keep a beer positive mindset so that's that's not talking shit about some other brewery or Uh you know maybe you'll leave somebody out of a recommendation or, you know, but, but we want to be welcoming and inclusive of different customers. And we're well aware that we're going to get people that have never been to a brewery Mm -hmm. and we get it all the time. They walk in and they say, give me a Modelo, give me a Bud Light. And you see that, that scenario where people get laughed at and then they don't feel comfortable going to another brewery, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so we're super welcoming about that. We say, hey, we got this beer. You know, this is what you're going to like. Try it. You know, you know we, we guide people and, and make that introduction to, to craft beer something that makes them want to come back again. Yeah. Um, so with that goes to like the beer styles we produce. Um, 
And then, you know, something I never mentioned, but our, our little slogan, shift perception, and part of that is, is that you can have a beer made with the best ingredients in the world and, and so much attention to detail and, and, and a quality beer that somebody can have their first, you know, first time drinking a Hellas or whatever and, and not have to think about it and just enjoy it and want to drink it again. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to hit you over the head and there could be subtlety and, and you know, that's what we try to go for. Yeah, is that is there an intentional... And I like the shift perception thing with the, the auto shop. Um, but uh, is that in, an intentional movement where it's like we, you know, there's a lot of breweries that are using very descriptive language to describe their beers and digging into flavor profiles and catering to a very specific type of customer. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that's intentional for you guys where, where you're like, we don't want to go that far in that direction? Or is it just kind of like a balance? Yeah, it's 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 probably a balance. I mean, we don't go crazy with descriptions. There's some breweries that are oh, so yeah. so good at it. Yeah. <laughs> get you you read their social media posts and it gets you like hyped. You can you can taste it. Yeah. Part of it is I'm just probably not that good at that, <laughs> but, <laughs> or I can't I can't get myself to do it. But yeah, I mean it, it is it's something I. I, I do connect to the idea that, that beer can be something that you can sit around and you can dive into and you can, and you can talk about subtleties and, and, and complex techniques or flavors, ingredients. Or you should also be able to shut that off and enjoy a product and not have to think about why you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Just have a good experience, be with friends, do all that, and, and, and still come out of it with an appreciation for the product. Yeah, that's, having I mean, to get too into it. That hospitality lens that you mentioned, like that's mm-hmm. very much in line with that philosophy. So you didn't mention the name. Like your family uh, is behind Topper's Pizza, mm-hmm. um, and when I, f- I don't remember when I first heard about this project. It was probably what 2018, 17? Like whenever yeah, you guys, whenever it became public that you guys got this property mm-hmm. and we're going to put a. a pizza restaurant and a brewery into it mm-hmm. um the build out took a while this is a former uh auto repair shop so mm-hmm. tell me about like, we've seen breweries open up on those sites and they can have long-winded stories about what happened throughout that process like did you guys run into those same types of issues with soil and and all that kind of thing environmental stuff yeah yeah, yeah. um nothing crazy on the environmental side um the building was built in the 40s um, this was kind of like a major thoroughfare. Mm-hmm. Um, the what was the one? So this was a major industrial area yeah. um, in the twenties on, and and we're right next to the train depot. Um, so this building was mostly industrial and then automotive for probably the last fifty, sixty years. Um, so it took a good good scrubbing to, <laughs> to, you know we power wash the ceiling and, and all that get all the grease out of here and and had to do a lot i mean there's there are a lot of challenges that come with building in a in a older building that has either you know structural upgrades required new slabs to put in uh difficulty in just tipping tanks up and 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 all that and you know you can see where 
our glycol headers basically hit the ceiling yeah. in the cellar. And, yeah. <laughs> and so we kind of, you know, there's, there's challenges there and you can't just like buy a standard 60 barrel fermenter. It's got to have, got to change our cone angles and heights and widths and, and all that stuff. Um, but I do think it creates a unique environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a, it was a challenge we were happy to take on. Um, and, and, you know, you can maintain some authenticity and, and what, you know, we were lucky to have a building that fit, fit what we are interested in and, and have a brand that revolves around that too. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Does that come from that? So obviously the, the, the legacy of the site, but mm-hmm. transmission, the car thing, is that something that you've been into? Your family's been into? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my grandpa was, a was an automotive a VW mechanic. Mm. Um, and when he came to the U S, uh, with my dad, they, they had a, uh, VW shop in Santa Barbara. Oh. Um, so that kind of sows the seed of, of the automotive stuff. Yeah. Um, and you know, personally, I, you know, I like to ride things, race things, yeah. work on things. <laughs> um, so I race at Ventura Raceway here too. And, um, so that is part of, and, and, and transmission, hopefully, you know, we don't get too gear heady with it. It, it, it opens that door, which is kind of unutilized. Um, but we can also use transmission as, as something like transmission of ideas, Mm -hmm. um, transmission of, you know, this podcast audio there you go (laughs) you know we can use transmission in other other sorts of ways that that expand on on that brand make it just not just an automotive type of thing yeah that's cool does help with naming beers it's nice when you're oh i bet yeah (laughs) uh it's nice when you when when you have uh a brewery that you know takes its name from their site or their location but there's also like something bigger that mm-hmm. like run, there's something more authentic in it. Yeah. We see like breweries that will open up, uh, that take the name of the city and then they end up having to move. And it's like, well, are you really in that city? <laughs> yeah. Like what happens there? That's, that's tough. So yeah. it's cool that like, there's a through line that happens just through like the family history. And I mean, you mean, you kind of started this off, like the family business is very much ingrained in the brewery here. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. they're not the, Technically, they're not the same business, but they're housed next door to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's not your traditional brew pub, but it kind of feels sort of like that in a way. Yeah, and that and that that tie-in, you know, it, it that's part of what helps bring in a lot of people that aren't familiar with beer, and so we take we kind of take that as a responsibility that most new breweries might not have to cater to, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if somebody's just a brewery and, and, and there's brewery hype around it and there's people in the beer community or at least beer interested are going to be focused on that, which of course breweries are becoming a very, have become, I should say, a very commonplace thing for people to go to instead of bars. Yeah. But, you know, we get people that come here because of toppers and, and don't even know there's a brewery. And then that's, so that's where our whole guiding them through that process responsibility comes in. Yeah. And I think if you don't know anything about the brewery, you walk in, 
you're like, oh, there's a brewery here. This isn't, I mean, the design is really nice. We talked about hospitality. There's tremendous hospitality focus in the tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you might be like, oh, it's, you know, there's a little, little brew house in the corner. So, you know, someone's pumping out beer. I remember when I heard about the, the project initially, I was like, okay, who's going to come in and lead this thing? Yeah. And then when I heard it was, you know, the son of the family, like it's, it was an in-house type of thing. I was like, okay, it'll be like a nice quaint little thing going on. You come back here. I mean, this is a significant project. Um, yeah. So it's not your traditional brew pub. You're kind of like, you have this brew pub style concept where you're you have the on-site restaurant you have the other locations that you're probably serving beer to as well but this feels like a brewery that is meant for you know significant off-premise consumption like what what was the mindset going into the concept like did you start small and we're like okay we're gonna make this big like how did that evolve well yeah it started where the whole the whole project was just in that front building so Cellar was going to be up there. It's going to be a fifteen barrel brew house, yeah. um, and then some patio half the size of, and then and then you know looking at numbers and 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 how it was going to work, it, it just kept snowballing yeah. to where like okay, if we're going to justify this space, we need to increase brew house mm-hmm. size, and 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 a big part of it is flexibility. Um, also, I'm I'm the brewer, so. I put a lot of value in, in efficient time efficiency and, right. and that kind of stuff, <laughs> knowing that like, I don't want to be doing, if I'm doing a double brew day right. that it doesn't, I don't want it to be a, a I'm, you know, I'm here all the time anyways, but, right. <laughs> but, but you're not chained but, to it. Yeah. Right. Right. So, well, I want it to be fast enough and a high enough volume where, where we never get to that point where we're doing night shifts or, yeah. you know, something like that. So, so the flexibility coming into, on a couple sides of it, one production volume flexibility, uh, two being able to maintain a wide and large tap tap list in house, mm-hmm. um, and have all that beer stay really fresh and, and keep turning. Um, and then also on the technology side of things, like having a, a, a brew house that's, fully automated, consistent, you know, cool technology, different kind of work, right? And, and, and that, that as a brewer, you could get bored of that if, <laughs> if we were to be stuck on, like, core brands. Uh-huh. Um, and then also we have the five-barrel, which is fully manual, doesn't even have a flow meter, you know, taproom only, mostly small production one-offs um so so we have that creative outlet and then we have the ability to meet production production demands without overdoing ourselves um yeah when we were looking at it we quickly knew that even if we were just going to be servicing local you know the, the family restaurants and and a handful of higher volume local accounts we would be stressed out on production yeah um so this was the uh, the build it once model, um, mm-hmm. and it's been working. So you're you're doing that now, right? Mm-hmm. You're you're you have a a pretty diverse tap list um, out there. Um, your beers are at the other toppers locations that serve beer. I'm not mm-hmm. sure how many, if all of them do or not. But mm-hmm. um, and then you have 
other accounts that you send beer to both keg and in cans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How's, how's bit, how, I mean, obviously we went through COVID, which changed everything. Yeah. So now like ignoring that coming out of that, like how are things looking now with like production and mm-hmm. capacity? Like, where do you, where do you want to take it? Sure. Um, we're, we're self distro, um, which, you know, having had a lot of experience working with distributors, um, there's totally a value in a distributor and, and certain ones are better than others. Um, so I've been on both sides of that table. Um, right. And we're kind of at that inflection point of like, do we try to fill out remaining capacity with additional tap rooms or do we go with a distributor or, you know, we're kind of at one of those pivoting points Mm -hmm. and, and right now our team is super small. It's, it's, you know, on, on the production side of things, it's me and Andy. Andy does basically all the five barrel brews and he guy's a machine. Um, and where'd you take him up? He was in wine before. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was a grape guy. Nice. So (laughs) we, uh, we converted him. That's cool. Um, so this was his first brewery, uh, gig and, and he's, he's been absolutely shredding it. Um, and then Ian, who drives the van and does deliveries for self-distro, also mm-hmm. does packaging stuff and, and, and is, is in the back of house stuff, too. So that's the team. It's a lean team. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, you get a lot so, done. And we're getting a decent volume out yeah. of it. So, uh, yeah, we're at that point. It's like, do we add more people? I like everybody here so much right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure we can find like, somebody how do you good. How do you complicate it in the least stressful way? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, I guess there is kind of like a few different roads you can go down and probably uh, you're probably in a situation that you knew that you were going to hit mm-hmm. at a certain point. Yeah. But when we hit pandemic, it kind of was like, when is that going to happen? Like, how is that going to happen? So now we are actually here and yeah. it's, it's pretty cool to see um, what you guys are doing here. Just like the different changes and we'll, we'll kind of get into it. Mm-hmm. I want to keep rewinding a little bit. Yeah. Um, when you made the decision to open the brewery, had you already gone to brew school? Like where in the, where was the school part and where was the decision of, of opening the brewery? Kind of how did that timeline work out for you? I had been home brewing for several years um, and never as a hobby. You know, my, my home brewing was always very intentional and, um, you know, I was always brewing two batches at the same time, um, and taking ridiculous notes <laughs> and like, and treating it as like, not necessarily here. I'm here to brew the best beer for me and my friends to drink, which we did a lot of that. Right. But, um, but as an ingredient, um, familiarity exercise yeah. really. So, so I was doing a lot of like, here's the same beer, three different base malts. Yeah. You know, here's, here's a Hellas with you know, two Hellas brew at the same time, slightly different technique on whatever. Uh-huh. Right. And, and, and certain stuff doesn't, doesn't equate on from home brewing, obviously to production, but right. ingredients sure do, um, to a certain extent. And, um, yeah, so, so I've been doing that and then the location potential snuck up years before it, ever expected. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I don't, I can't remember if I was already enrolled in, in American Brewers Guild. Um, but I was, I was working, I was doing 
construction. I was building vintage trailers at that time uh-huh. and, um, and also helping in the family business um, while going through brewing school. And then it kind of accelerated a big part of, you know, preparedness is, you know, if you're going to do it, you have to, it has to be the focus or yeah. at least it should be. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, was, and obviously still is my life is, is learning beer, right? There's, you know, I've got to stay a student forever. And then part of that's, you know, listening to podcasts or whatever, just staying in tune with what's happening in the industry and, and being fully devoted to that. Okay, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors at Malibu Brewing Company. These guys are pretty much brand spanking new and they've been killing it straight out of the gate. Every beer I've had from them has been really, really good. They recently released this rye pale ale that I'm digging a lot right now. And I hear they have some barrel aged stuff that might be coming for the winter season that I am positive will be fire. They recently opened their tap room and eatery in Malibu on PCH right next to Zuma. It's like this craft beer oasis in an area that desperately needed it. The space is amazing, the food is legit, and the beer, well, it's damn good. So the next time you're hitting the beach, planning a date night, going to watch a game, or just want good beer, good food in a rad space, hit up Malibu Brewing Company and tell them Hop sent you. If you're a beer brand and want to support the articles, the videos, the podcasts, and everything we do at Hopped, hit me up at gary at hopped.com and let's talk. We've got a lot of cool stuff in the works and are looking for the right partners to help us get there. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So it sounds like uh, it was the plan to open something was kind of early for you Mm -hmm. and uh it just the timeline was dictated by the space Mm -hmm. and kind of the opportunity that arose so you find yourself kind of like okay i'm gonna we're gonna go for it and you go through this process and you know you already mentioned the evolution of what this was going to be um definitely changed i'm I, i kind of like i'm amazed at like what you're able to do with a lean team mm-hmm. and like the resources that you have designing this doesn't seem like something that like a home brewer could typically do. Like, <laughs> did you have help in designing your production space? Like how did you figure it all out? In, in some ways? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say the biggest inspiration for stuff is, is was other breweries and, and, going to other towns or or just going to breweries and and if they let you staring at their production space yeah and and seeing what they do and what seems to work and what doesn't everything from you know cellar layout what they do with their hoses how many people are doing what you know seeing what other people are doing and and gaining some some inspiration from that um I'm very mechanically interested. So, yeah. so, so like the, uh, the engineering behind, you know, brew house layouts and, and all that. Yeah, is it wasn't like, a foreign language it's, it's, Yeah, it's something that I'm kind of, it, I don't know, I like it yeah. and makes sense. 
for me. And, and, and so the equipment side of things is something that I love as much as the artistic side of, of recipe development and all that is I, you know, it's fun to make things happen yeah. <laughs> and, and, and create a product. And that's, and that's, and that's, you know, what we're really doing here. Yeah. I, I love that. It's fun. Um, I think a lot of, of other operations of this similar size, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> they don't have a kind of like a, someone that's just getting into the industry design the whole, you know, they, they, they bring in a consultant or they have, mm-hmm. they hire someone that worked at one of the bigger breweries and they kind of have that institutional knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you were able to figure that out and you, you kind of mentioned something earlier, you're a home brewing, not as a hobby. And I was just kind of like, I think, I feel like everything you do is kind of like that. <laughs> everything we've talked about, you've been like, all right, yeah, it's kind of seems like a hobby, but you're just like, you're doing it at a level that as if you were, have been doing it as a professional for years and just uh, mm. figuring it out. And, you know, you have that mechanical mindset that allows you to maybe um, the learning curve is a little bit quicker than I think someone like myself would have. Mm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's super cool to see. We talked a little bit about the brew house and kind of we're talking about the size and you know, I, I keep mm-hmm. harping on it and sorry about that. I just find it really impressive. Yeah. But, uh, can you give a little context? Like what are you working with here um, mm-hmm. from a brew house and then on, on the seller side? Yeah. Um, so up front we have our, our five barrel system, um, with four or five barrel fermenters and two brights up there, uh, super compact layout, really kind of brew pub style. Um, little mash louder ton two vessel brew house um and you know soon we're actually going to add a flow meter for sparge water so that's yeah. <laughs> that'll be a fun project um but right now super manual and and that's that's our uh you know when like thialized yeasts were were coming out we were doing those before they were commercially available and and we just kept doing versions of that and and it's a fun little playground you know, we can use a different hop variety, you know, whatever we want to do. Keep, keep, we try to keep 20 beers on tap and, you know, oftentimes the only way to do that and have fresh beer is to make it in a small enough batch and just keep rebrewing it. Yeah. Um, so that allows us to, to have a brown ale to do non hype beers or that are (laughs) there's something that we want to provide but may not move crazy fast um yeah the red ipa which i i I totally dug seeing that i'm like hell yeah man it's been a few years yeah and we always have to have it because people will be angry if we don't um so so that's a cool playground for that and and um so the next stage there is is our 30 barrel system um that's a rolex uh german manufacturer Back in in the days when we were coding stuff out, that was really the only only the Germans were doing automation like that. Now mm-hmm. there's some some U.S. German partnerships and and some Canadian companies doing that kind of level of brew house. But um, they're a great company, awesome to work with. Um, took it's probably a year and a half or so, two years, just designing everything and yeah. and and figuring out what we wanted to work in this space and, and all that. And they were super cool to, to work with some of the Germans that get 
U.S. beer. Yeah. Like American <laughs> beer scene is so much different. And, and some of those manufacturers are like, no, that's not how you brew beer. Right. <laughs> but you can, you can tell them we're going to put this many pounds of hops in a whirlpool and they'll go, oh, shit. Okay. You know, <laughs> instead of, no, you can't do that. Right. So, um, so yeah. Um, and then we have all 60 barrel fermenters right now um, in the cellar for that system. So, um, and something I told you about earlier, super excited to get a couple uh, little 15 barrel tanks, which we can, we can process on that brew house. It's got an external uh, boiler. So we can do a 15 barrel batch on there. Um, and that'll take some of our core house taproom only high, high sales beers. And we can do those on there and open up some of our five barrels for more one-offs and, and stuff. Cause we kind of got in a scenario where we were just trying to playing keep up instead mm-hmm. of doing new innovative stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that, that gives us the, the space and, and the ability to one on the, on the, on the bigger system, do a lot of loggers. That's what we're built to produce and, and still, um, is over half our production, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm really passionate about. Um, so we get that core beers consistency, keep brewing it and, and, and really nail it, try to nail it every time. And then we also get the little playground. Um, so yeah, keeps us interested. Yeah, definitely. And when we talk about the, um, kind of portfolio that you guys have, you know, obviously there's the R and D stuff that's constantly changing and playing around with stuff, but the core brands, the stuff that you're brewing, um, in these bigger batches, Mm-hmm. What are those beers? And you said 50% lagers. Like, what do you have? What does it look like right now? Yeah. Um, our kind of, our, I would say our maybe flagships stuff. We also put in cans, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, so starting off our Hellas, uh, clutch, um, really traditional take on Hellas. Um, maybe a little more, uh, malty than than what you see from a lot of american breweries kind of kind of modeled after in germany the 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 older local you know these breweries that are producing fifty thousand barrels a year for 10 square miles yeah. you know kind of <laughs> kind of places the monastery breweries and stuff that i that i visited um so modeled after those that style of hellas um rather than like the bigger export hellas mm-hmm. um so it's a single decoction, um, very traditional, you know, take on, on that style of beer. Um, and then our, our Pilsner downshift is in that category, uh, Mexican lager, Ventura Highway, um, and then our light lager, which is uh, 1.6 carbs. We just got the stats on that. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. Now Take you that, that. Michelob Ultra. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's good to have it at your local craft brewery, right? Yeah. We're like 0.8 lower than them. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Uh, so, wow. So, you, you have this kind of, I don't know if I want to say lager focus, but there is a, a significant focus to lagers. Mm-hmm. Um, launched at a time where, like, that wasn't the trend, and now we're here. And, like, it's become kind of a trend. That's pretty awesome that, like, you've been able to ride that a little bit. And maybe yeah. kind of, in my mind, and this is why uh, you guys were on my radar, is the launch of 
this brewery with these different lagers. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. They're mm-hmm. all really well done. Even right out of the gate. Like there was just everything was really well done. And uh, now here we are a few years later. Lagers are kind of the hot thing right now. And I guess this is a great transition to kind of get us into I'm drinking the uh, West Coast Pilsner. Is that what you're calling it? Uh-huh. Um, is that what you're drinking too? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, this is really neat. Uh, tell me about this beer. Sure. Um, it's a very, this is on, on the five barrel. Um, something we always try to keep around, but um, for tank logistics, can't always have loggers on the smaller scale. Um, but this is um, in the brew house, really treated like a, like a German style Pilsner, um, you know, pale Weirman malt. Um, this one doesn't get a decoction, um, although we probably would if it were on the bigger system. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, treated with kind of a IPA, almost hopping levels after uh, after the hot side. So a lot of whirlpool hopping and, and then dry hop pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, so this is. Um, you know, we do various versions of it with different different hop profiles. Um, this one's a Meridian and, and Galaxy and Simcoe base. Um, some Cryopop too. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a cool style where where somebody that wants the aroma and and profile of IPA but wants something that's a little lower ABV and and really dry and cleans up at the end and and style I think is great yeah but yeah i love this um for me like i mean we're we're talking about a style that's not really a style right mm-hmm. like um and so hoppy pills west coast pills whatever you want to call it i feel like you you see some of these beers coming out from other breweries that are like it's just like drinking an ipa like they're mm-hmm. so heavy-handed on the dry hop yeah um and the the mix of hops that they're using and just massive fruit aromatics and things like that when i tasted this i was like oh i dig this because there's some mm-hmm. restraint here like this doesn't taste like an ipa to me right it doesn't taste like a traditional german pills like it has the the touches and and flavor and nuance of what kind of west coast ipa is but without over the top bitterness without over the top kind of fruit aromatics. And mm-hmm. so I love the balance in this. I think this is what good West coast Pilsner, I think should end up being, yeah. um, as it becomes, I think more defined as, as something people do. Right. Yeah. There's definitely a wide range. Um, and yeah, some of them have a little more body to them, which kind of, you know, I, I want you to still know it's a lager, you know, yeah. it should still feel like a pills. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great backbone for some some of those hops, and and it doesn't have to hit you in the face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, is there um, you know you mentioned this is a rotating mm-hmm. uh, beer that you guys do? So is there a specific hop or common blend of hops that that you've done with this beer in the past that you were like, that's one that I want to come back to, or that's one that it really stood out to me? Yeah, we we do. Um, a Moteca Citra one that's that I find is a really complimentary hop profile because you get some of that zestiness yeah. that kind of drives home the the Pilsner stuff and but but still in a, in a in kind of a more modern take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, play around with some Strata, 
um, West Coast pills and, and yeah, try to, that's cool. Try like to use that. hops from different regions. I mean, it's a lot of German hops on the hot side too. Yeah. Um, which I think connects that, that Pilsner. It does. Yeah, it definitely does. Aspect. It's not like one note, new school hop. Like mm-hmm. there is, you know, I was just kind of smelling and I'm like, there's something going on here that also has an herbal earthiness to it as yeah. well. That kind of brings in that more modern mm-hmm. flavor and aroma profile that I think keeps this beer drinking really balanced. I'd be interested to see, I like I'm hooked. Like next time I come here, I'm be looking for the next iteration of this beer. Good. Like I feel like that'd be fun to, to track if I was a local. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully these, uh, the next little tanks, uh, 15 barrels that we get, will be definitely turning out some of these. Yeah. Yeah. That's which, cool. Which will allow us to, to put it on, on the bigger system that has a little more, um, capabilities catered towards lager so we can do step mashes and and you know decoction if we want and, yeah and kind of go all in on it yeah that's cool and do you uh do you have a perspective or do you want to weigh in on what cold ipa is right now and what it's doing or are I'm, you kind of ignoring it no no i i i actually like the style i i i always think it's funny when people Inventors. have have well they, they well they get contentious about somebody else's yeah, yeah. inventing of something i'm like whatever do you know if you want to brew true to style go for it if you don't and you want or you want to call something something different i don't care yeah. um so we haven't brewed one yet um there's some talks of uh collab out there that might involve that um but uh i think it's a great style yeah i mean what, what, I, th- I think it is different from West Coast pills or, or hoppy pills or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely from an ingredient and process standpoint, it's different mm-hmm. from a uh, drink like the actual end product. There is some difference there as well. Whether or not the consumer can pick up on that difference, that's kind of the question. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm all for it. You know, if we're if we're moving in the direction of hoppy lagers, then count me in i'm down yeah yeah i'm all for it that's cool so i uh i dig what you're doing on the logger side um how are you seeing that in you know kind of pulling through into the market i mean obviously the other toppers accounts Mm -hmm. but uh other accounts outside that like how are you seeing that flow through that's obviously moving well for you yeah um we you know when we when we started going out to accounts you know when we first opened you weren't see nobody nobody was brewing hellas really right um and now you know th- there were other you know Ennegrin being a, a great lager focused brewery yeah um probably sowed some of the seeds of craft lager in this area yeah. um but it's been well received and and obviously you know everybody wants hoppy beer too um and we're happy to provide that but we generally go to an account and say hey we want to be your pilsner we want to be whatever yeah on the logger side um it seems to be working yeah that's cool um so as we're kind of going through the the portfolio here uh we have to talk about ipa right Mm -hmm. and you know as we're talking hoppy pills let's move into 
West Coast and hazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a pale ale on, like for the the hoppy beer um, side of the portfolio. What's I mean, IPA is just it's insane, constantly changing. Um, I guess kick me off with your West Coast. Like, uh-huh. what is that? I mean, and that's a a style. When you say I have a West Coast IPA, there's a wide range of experiences that, <laughs> yeah. that that beer can be. So t- tell me about yours. Yeah. Um, we're on the, probably on, well, depending on what you're basing it on, but a more uh, drier base to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just a all base malt. We do have some, some character malts in there. Um, but on, on the drier side, a um, little bit of a malt backbone. Um, I like there to be some bitterness still in West Coast. Yeah. Um, so not all the way pulled back on that. So it's got some, it's got some, some kettle hopping throughout. Um, it's kind of a, a Citra, Simcoe, Azaka, Strata are all the hops in there. Nice. Um, with the Azaka being a little more background note. Um, but that's, that's the profile. I like that, that mix of, of, you know, a little bit of pininess, but some of those modern, fruity aromatics too totally um a little bit of dankness but not not it's hopefully on the more balanced side right right yeah Yeah, that's cool um and then the on the hazy side of things so i know you have there's a couple on right now i'm drinking one of them um maybe you can tell me a little bit about those two beers and then kind of um what you're playing around with. Cause I feel like uh-huh. hazy's is something that, uh, leads well to experimentation as totally, you know, you're kind of playing around with, with what's going on and all the new products that are out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What are the two that you have on right now and kind of what's your, your perspective? How do you approach hazy? Yeah. Um, I think there there's, when we have multiple on, we try to make them very different from each other. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll have, you know, a hazy pale ale or, or, um, right now we have, uh, fog lights, which is our core, uh, hazy. So that's what you'll see at, uh, other locations, not here. So we distro that one. Um, that's kind of a, a punchier tropical hazy. Um, it's got some, some malt backbone to it with some, uh, some golden promise in there. And, and, uh, it's probably, it's on, you know, the moderate, bitterness side um but really aromatic and and tropical mm-hmm. um and then uh leaderboard which you got right now cool. is um is a beer that we started for a fundraiser for the local raceway oh, for cool. for a new leaderboard so you can tell who's who's in first <laughs> that's important I think. um so yeah especially on a circle track right. like five laps in <laughs> um probably won't be me but uh (laughs) (laughs) um so that's that was a a cool project we did with them to to raise some funds and 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 hopefully by next next year they'll have that all done um but that's on the softer side um a little lower bitterness um kind of all pilsner malt base with with you know oats and wheat and uh and more in the citrus range um on the flavor profile so going for more of that orangey um citrusy yeah take yeah good stuff um 
I remember the last time I was here, there was a hazy pale that you had on, and mm-hmm. I was like, I was blown away by this beer yeah. because I had just had a hazy pale from uh, a brewery that just won a GABF award. Like, it's kind of known for their hazy pale, mm-hmm. uh, Radiant, down in Orange County. Uh-huh. And I had this one, and I'm like, this feels like on par with something that they're putting out. It's really cool. Oh. Um, what, how, what's, how do you approach, uh, pale ale versus like the full IPA mm-hmm. in these days. Like I feel like pale ale is kind of this lost thing. So, I mean, obviously it's lower ABV. Is that it? Like, how do you, how are you kind of thinking about that going into it? Um, yeah. Uh, I think I, I love the world of moderate ABV hoppy beer. Yeah. That's, that's as a, R.I.P. Session IPA. Yeah, as, as a consumer, <laughs> I we we brewed a brewed IPA forever, and yeah. I, I'm going to redo that again. Really? Because yeah, I think it's great. Can I you think call it brewed IPA still? I will. All right, cool. cool. <laughs> Why not? I dig it. Um, yeah, we'll advertise the carbs on it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think yeah, you got you have to adjust body accordingly with with those lower alcohol. Yeah. beers um, and and keep hopping in a way that that expresses itself but not you can't hit it like an IPA yeah um, that alcohol does have a big influence on on how hops are whether extracted or or you know express how they express right um, so yeah we we, we try to keep them on on the drier side too um and uh yeah you know our, our west coast pale ale is on the hoppier side for sure um and uh yeah that's cool yeah, i dig that and uh we're also sitting here next to a few barrels uh-huh um what's your plans for the how have you used them what how do you plan on using them Half of those have sour beer, um, which maybe, you know, we'll, we'll figure out something to do with them. They were pretty new oak, um, and our, and our barrel program's a little too small to blend much. Mm -hmm. Um, so I need to get a hand to some more neutral barrels and they're, they're very tannin forward right now. Um, that's a different story. Um, (laughs) And then the other ones are uh, are hard seltzer. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, 12, 12% um, hard seltzer, which um, you know, I don't know if you want to get into the world of seltzer right now. but uh, I mean, you poured me something uh, a few weeks ago that like was insane. And uh, I, saw, I see it's still out there. So uh-huh. is that uh, the next iteration of that? Like what... Tell me about that beer and tell me about what you have in those barrels too. Sure, sure. Um, or that seltzer. So, so that that one was a um, margarita inspired uh, frozen seltzer, um, which is uh, the base aged in in new oak barrels, um, which uh, helps round out the tequila note, and you get that oakiness, and and we. We ferment with uh, with wine yeast, um, so you get a, a kind of pleasant white wine character mm. um, to the base, 
which we can either allow to persist or not, um, depending on how we treat it. Um, so that that high, you know, ferments to below zero. Um, so you get that alcohol heat, which kind of opened the door for, for you know, how do we do things that are catered to those people that aren't looking for beer, but will satisfy, you know, hopefully kind of round out things better than like the yuzu cocktail world, right. which always kind of leaves you feeling disappointed. Right. Um, so we, we were doing barrel aging and using really good ingredients on the, you know, kind of bittered orange side or, or um, you know, a bunch of lime juice and, and trying to round out the tequila note and then we freeze it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do, ha- I have some, uh, some aspirations with, with a lot of different, different things we can do with a hard seltzer base and, and, you know, a lot of brewers are, are, af- I think, afraid to focus on seltzer for some reason. They feel like they're cheating on barley or something. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, I look at it as, as another, another beverage that we can produce with, with the most intention and, and quality possible. And, and, so, you know, our, our seltzers on the ingredient side cost as much as our IPAs. <laughs> so we're using all real fruit and stuff. Which and defeats the point uh, of, of a brewery brewing seltzer to just, like, have this low-cost alternative. Yeah, and, and, and I don't, that's, that's, I guess, what, I, what I'm going against is I don't think it should be that. Yeah. Um, that's like, you know, that's like a, a, a cocktail bar acting like they shouldn't use vodka you know because right. somebody else made it or, or you know so you can you can get really creative you know on 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 how you produce those flavors and and you know we're going to do some some hot seltzer beverages too oh wow so, so pretty soon here that sounds like, interesting like a hot toddy um, oh, for the holidays so coming bur- up bourbon barrel age yeah. um so that project is a little little ways out okay um but the seltzer at, at you know at a pretty high gravity extracts barrel character very well. Yeah. So I, I the margarita one was. I look forward to close. seeing other people doing that. Yeah, out that's there, super cool. I, I think it, I think it's cool, and it, and it and it does invite that that wine drinker, cocktail drinker, non beer person into yeah. into the brewery and 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 lets them have a better experience. Yeah, and you know I feel like you've got this like old world inspiration to a lot of what you're doing you're mixing in kind of modern sensibilities modern ingredients into that equation um to create something that has a balance between the both do you bring in some of that kind of traditional technique traditional perspective into what you're doing with seltzer or is it like a complete departure and it's like this is just fun because it's different or is there like something you're bringing into that yeah, good question. I think, you know, r- respecting tradition on, on certain things I, I, I take, I think is important. Um, and, and it does guide a lot of what we do in terms of technique and, and, and how we produce things. And, and, you know, we, you know, we don't, and that's, and that's why like on, on seltzer, we don't, we don't 
carbon filter anything. We don't, we don't, we produce a base that is sulfur free and tastes good on its own. And then we go from there. Um, which I think is important. Um, maybe a little harder on, on the nutrient balance and, and yeast handling side, but, um, yeah, I, 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 I think there's some importance to like keep traditional techniques there and then build off of them and, and not be, not be held to keeping things the same or, or traditional, but, but being able to get creative on top of that is, uh, I don't know. Sometimes you got to wing it. Right. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking about that because you run such a lean team here. And obviously you yourself are still very hands-on in, into everything that goes on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you focus on, you know, you have a little project like this. You have uh, what's going on in the, in the rooftop deck, which we'll get to the 15 barrel tanks. You know, like yeah. how do you keep your focus between all these things going on? Uh Severe ADHD. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just lean into it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of moving parts, um, which keeps things exciting and fun. Um, you seem like the kind of guy that, like, doesn't sleep a ton and, like, has, you know, <laughs> like, your ideation is, like, in the shower when you're falling asleep, like, cause during the day you're just running around to all these different projects. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that is a cool part about doing, having a career in something that you love. Yeah. Um, that it, it can be all consuming and, and I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're, they're, hopefully, when construction stuff kind of rounds out, then, then, then sometimes we get behind on, you know, just the logistics of, of ingredient management and such. Um, so yeah, maybe sometimes I need to focus more on one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If you're focused too much, then we wouldn't have some of the fun, different things coming out that you're working on. So I dig it. Yeah. It's definitely balance. Um, you mentioned before you alluded to the uh, the racing mm-hmm. down at the the Ventura track there, um, the restoring the trailers. So I mean, we talked about like hobbies, right? Yeah. And like I feel like these are kind of hobbies, but kind of not. Like you you kind of run into them kind of full force. Yeah. But tell me about those projects. Yeah. Um, so the the raceway we uh, are now sponsoring and and hoping that that can be, you know, I, community spaces are very important. Um, and, and that's what, you know, we're trying to be a part of elevating that experience for people. And, and, um, I go out there a couple times a month and try to go as fast as I can turning left, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I just started doing that this last year. Um, it's great fun and it's a, and it's a, and it's a really cool community too. Um, it's very welcoming and, and, uh, so like, what is it? It's like a, it's, it's race, a, it's racing cars, right? It's a dirt, it's a dirt oval track. Okay. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a clay surface. Huh. Um, and I run a, a dwarf car, which is like a little clown car huh. with a, with a thousand CC motorcycle engine and, um, 
So these are like it's, things you build yourself. They're like, generally built in someone's like there are brands, but they're generally built in someone's garage with, with a jig. Um, um, highly technical um, yeah. from the setup standpoint and all that. Um, so mechanically, there you have to really be on top of it. Um, and there's a lot to learn. I mean, there's a million variables. Yeah. Um, so I just. Uh, Got a couple podium finishes in the last year, so that was exciting. That's but, awesome. Um, yeah, and then uh, kind of my, my, my other job is a vintage trailer hotel um, that's right nearby us. Um, so if somebody's coming from out of town to, uh, to go beer hopping in, in Ventura, you can stay at Waypoint. Yeah, very um, great central location. Yeah, so all, all vintage. And that's, that's, that's part of our passion is, is also restoration and and um which i guess as you said earlier ties into traditional techniques and and modernizing beyond that and and part of what we've done with the building and and i guess what translates to our beer is um renovation and rejuvenation and and staying true to history but but modernizing um so yeah we've rebuilt a bunch of 19 40s to 70s aluminum trailers and turn them into a modern hotel that's cool yeah yeah it's it always i mean and i'm not like a mechanical i don't have any of the characteristics that you have yeah. think of yourself the opposite <laughs> that's me um but uh but there is something sad when you take something older that has the potential to live on and you just bulldoze it to the ground and start with something brown brand new and modern yeah like there's like you lose so much heart and soul mm-hmm. and so i feel like you know this building itself you know what you're doing with the airstream trailers like that it's it's respectable in my opinion like yeah preserving some of that you know and hopefully hopefully you know the city of ventura can can connect with that in some way too and and you know we're 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 an evolving community for sure right. ventura is yeah. ventura is now cool you know it's yeah. it, like it's it was a it was a pass through city right. for a long time, and and now we're we're in that that transitionary period of like what is the future of of this community and and does it become a Santa Barbara? Does it become you know what 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 do we turn into? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Ventura does have a pretty rich history and with with its buildings and 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 hopefully we can get people in the community that that respect that. Yeah, and that kind of came to mind to me when I was up there on the rooftop deck mm-hmm. where I feel like if you had that a few years ago, the view would be like unobstructed. But you have these like yeah. newer buildings up there now that like are kind of popping up and um I think I saw somewhere that like they they just want to keep building more and more along this coastline and building yeah. higher up. And uh I mean that you got a pretty nice setup up there. So oh, yeah. that wasn't there when I first came here in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me, was that in the plans back then? It was always part of the idea. Yeah. Um, to build an elevated roof deck with, with ocean views and, and beautiful sunsets. Um, took a while. We separated uh, permits so that it would be, wouldn't hold up the rest of the um, brewery build out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's now almost complete it's open um but still still evolving a bit um but yeah you can definitely 
someday hopefully our our view it's pretty awesome. the sunset doesn't yeah. get cut off but yeah i know right? yeah it's it's pretty beautiful right it's, now yeah it's so we uh before that opened up we had done a uh a list of some of the best places to uh drink beer mm-hmm. in southern california this spot was on the list thank um, you we named <laughs> made west uh, their ventura pier location as like the best view yeah it's still great view but like yeah up there now like that's a contender now yeah like you have an amazing view up there there's a bar that has pretty much all the beers pouring up uh-huh. there um you can order pizza to be brought up there um yeah, it's a pretty amazing experience. I think uh, for anyone that that's listening that hasn't come out to transmission, like just come on out. But like, if you have come out and it's been a while that wasn't opened up, come on out. I mean, I guess it's about to be pretty cold, but you're that's you're putting in the doors, right? Yep. Yeah. So we'll have wind protection and and heat. Yeah. Uh, protection to so we'll. It won't we'll be. Have it'll garage be bearable. doors there that yeah <laughs> that will when they're open and up out of the way they'll be all the way out of the way and when they're down they're all glass so yeah. um still maintain all the view and and the feel of the space yeah um so excited for that that's neat that's really cool it's a great addition to the space so we're right. on the home stretch here but maybe i could do like another like a half pour or something yeah. to kind of close this out yeah is that cool yeah absolutely okay cool yeah. let's do it so just coming back from a break got the hell is like this is mm-hmm. this is the beer i think of like when I think of transmission, good. I don't know. I just, I, <laughs> I've always liked this beer, uh-huh. um, and yeah, it's different than what you typically see out there. I feel like we, the stuff you were talking about earlier, the the, the little slightly bit more malt forward than yeah. kind of what you're seeing other American craft breweries do. Mm-hmm. It shows. It's it's present there. Yeah, I want there to be some some breadiness to it. Yeah, um, subtle but there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we kind of do a traditional approach to it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's nice and bready for sure. Yeah, that's the um, it's what we point a lot of people towards. That you know, instead of having a blonde ale, it uh, takes a lot longer to produce. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, that's what we kind of use as our uh, tell me what beer you want. Or, you know, somebody walks up, says, right. I don't know what I want. Or, yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's that kind of fill fill in the uh, the 805 drinker Yeah, kind of hit those needs. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there's a definite need for it. And I guess coming off of the heels of the recent news of uh, Anna Kappa closing their doors, mm-hmm. like, not that I know much about their beer program, but some of these early wave breweries – you know, brew pub models kind of relied on the blonde ale, the, mm-hmm. the red ale, you know, things like that. The old school American IPA, um, you know, we're coming into a, a more modern age where blonde ales, like what is the place of blonde ale in the, in the modern craft beer scene? Mm-hmm. I mean, we do see 805 and it sells amazing, sure but does. how do we, uh, how do smaller breweries kind of position against 805 or alongside of it? So, you know, if you like 805, that's a great starting point for you. But, like, here's something else that's going to take you down a different trail. Mm-hmm. Um, is that So that's what this beer is for you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's it's meant to be, I mean, in part, it's a, it's a pizza beer, too. You can have a few of them and, 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 and that's, you know, I think it's a, it's a great style and that you can just 
drink them, but there is some depth to it for sure. If 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 you want there, if, if you, you want to look for it, yeah, yeah, it it can be there, um, or it can just not, and you can just have a couple. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, alongside pizza, it's going to cut through the fattiness and the richness, and mm-hmm. just kind of wash away really clean. Yeah. So yeah, great pizza beer. Do you think about? I mean, obviously you do. Like you think about the the food that's happening alongside. And, um, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't imagine you're like doing a lot of specific pairings, but it's at least in mind, like, Hey, we're going to have, we have this jalapeno pepperoni thing or, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how much do you think about that? Um, I guess maybe more, more less intentional than, than, well, I guess I, I, I'd say it's the same as fitting balance. Yeah. And, and, and if you're brewing for balance, then maybe that just means that it's good, good pizza beer. Right. You know, it's like those two things kind of go hand yeah, in hand. Yeah. The West Coast I pay um, be just as good too. Yeah. So, so yeah, for sure. That, I mean, that is, we do think about how people are consuming it and, yeah. and those, those environments. And, and, you know, obviously that has a huge influence on how you experience beer. It's like, mm-hmm. give me a, Bavarian Hefeweizen in Germany. I, mean, I think it's the greatest beer I've ever had. If I drink one here, I'm like, uh, this is too, too banana forward. You know, yeah. like like place and, and, and experience with beer dictates For sure. how you perceive those flavors a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and, and food does the same. So yeah. it's interesting. So from a, uh, tap room and restaurant perspective, like how involved with, are you with, the tap room mm-hmm. with the restaurant, like how, what's your presence there? Definitely involved. Um, so, you know, we have a good front of house team, but, um, you know, I'm still involved with how everything happens there. And, and, you know, we're still young enough to not have fantastic employee manuals and stuff put together. Right. Probably should but you know, <laughs> still still developing and iterating on that because you know we're also expanding you know our space has just radically changed too True. um so we added a secondary bar and, and and some of those procedures and and pretty soon we'll start doing events which is the last thing in the world that i it's not <laughs> not, not my strong suit so so we'll probably get somebody on the team to kind of take over event uh planning and, yeah. and coordination and and all that um but, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my sister who I should have mentioned is, uh, by title, at least the, the head of the seltzer program. Oh, cool. She makes all the seltzers. That's at least what she'll say. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but she's, uh, she's really leads the ship on the restaurant side at oh, this, cool. at this location. What's her name? Um, Kelsey, Kelsey. twin, twin sister. Oh, okay. Um, and then, and the greater, you know, family and I have an older brother and, uh, my parents are never going to stop. Still acting. <laughs> never going to stop. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. That's cool. Is So I, how many uh, locations uh, on the topper side exist? The, this now? is the newest one, no, number 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there expansion plans in um, works or is it still is it kind of like enough an opportunity comes yeah i mean we could we could you know we're 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 gonna keep everything local and and within arm's reach and yeah. and you know 
you know, it's funny people, people, people locally think some people will think like, Oh, toppers is this big thing. Right. And, and they just like assume that they're everywhere uh-huh. and then they like go somewhere else and they're like, wait, there's no toppers here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just Cause it's been around long enough to be the, something that people grew up going to and became uh, a For local sure. staple of the community. Down um, in LA, it's like, if there's someone that like moved from see me or something like that, they're like, you don't know toppers. Yeah, like, exactly. Like nobody knows <laughs> toppers down there unless you've like come up and like grew up in the Ventura County area or like yeah. you've carried that legacy down. But the passion that people have for toppers pizza uh-huh. is really, really strong. Yeah. People, and for good reason. Yeah, I hope so. It's, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it started as a teeny little pizzeria store in, in, in Oxnard, my parents work in that and has become what it is today. And, and that's, you know, thanks to attention to detail and, and the community and, and hard work and, and, you know, good product. Um, so yeah, with, with, with the brewery complimenting it, that was part of why, you know, we couldn't start super small in that same way if we were going to feed the beast of, of, of supplying beer to toppers. Nine other locations, so, yeah. so, um, you know, did all of them serve beer? Or? Um, all, but yes, all of them serve beer. Okay. Um, and then they have other local breweries and stuff on tap. Right. So. Right. Um, and then, uh, you know, at some point maybe we add locations, but we're, we're, we're not a, a large corporate entity. We're, we're, a family business and, mm-hmm. and going to keep things close to home where, where we can have the good people and, and nice team that we've built to handle it all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. So we were talking about, um, the outdoor space mm-hmm. and you mentioned events. So like what's, yeah. what's coming up there? Um, we'll do a little, little outdoor bar there. Um, stage, which will, double as just a nice little elevated seating area. But if we wanted to do music and, and maybe have an anniversary party, which we've never done yet, have, have a, have some music, we could do that. Um, and then, and then make that a reservable space because we get, we get a lot of that, everything from, from wedding rehearsal dinners to, kids soccer teams yeah. <laughs> so we need to provide a space that that people can have yeah, their own I have area seen this outdoor patio here mm-hmm. reserved for little parties and things like that yeah. yeah there's a cap on how big that can be right so this will definitely expand that so the anniversary third year anniversary mm-hmm. coming up in january yeah uh it doesn't sound like you have a plan to celebrate that in any big way, right? <laughs> we probably should. <laughs> should probably start thinking or about that. Are we looking that. at 2024? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we. I yeah, I'd like to do something this year yeah. at least in some in some way. You just have so much um, going on, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like when it, by the time you think like, oh, we have to actually do this, it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. But yeah, we'll, we'll try and get something planned. Cool. Um, and then be able to have a, a little celebration. Um, we've, we missed out on that opportunity, um, in the earlier years, mm-hmm. um, with being not open or, you know, limited seating potential and, and all right. that COVID related stuff. Um, yeah. so this kind of is our first opportunity to, to have a hurrah. 
Yeah. And I feel like there's other spots in Ventura, I guess we'll say like, oh, that are more along the main street downtown side that have a lot of foot traffic that had the street closed down and, Mm -hmm. you know, patios expand out there. You guys didn't really have that here. And I'm not super familiar, but there's not a lot of foot. This is more industrial still. Yeah. um, Like you didn't have foot traffic. Certainly an expanding residential area. True. Um, But I think we get, it's nice where you can, well, kind of sometimes park here. Yeah. (laughs) But but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice departure from, you know, there's the downtown scene, but if somebody doesn't want to do that whole walk around thing, right. we're, we're a close alternative, right. um, or compliment, I guess. Um, you know, but we still have that connection to the, the beach, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people will come, you know, go here and made West on the pier yeah. and, and kind of, tie those two together which i think is a super cool experience for people yeah um walk the pier and and you know we're close enough to be involved but we're not you know right in that downtown thing yeah yeah just outside of that yeah yeah it's cool yeah i dig it a lot um so as we're kind of uh wrapping it up here in our conversation Mm -hmm. um we talked a little bit about the future and there's some decision-making on your end that you guys need to figure out. But, mm-hmm. you know, if we, if we fast forward 12 months and we're talking at the end of next year, like, what do you, what are some things that you want to have in place? What are some things you want to have in motion sure. by that point? Um, how do things look different for you? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, our, our, our future and what I think expresses the brand and the product the best is is tap rooms um so finding finding another place that 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 fits what what we're looking for um and then having that that face-to-face experience with with uh customers um so that's definitely down the road um our canning line will hopefully get like 12 times bigger Yeah. <laughs> right now I, I call it our canning dot. It's not, <laughs> it's not a full line. Um, so we'll, we'll, which we get great package quality out of it. Um, our DO is great and, and all that, but, um, get some more efficiency on the packaging side. Yeah. So then, then we can go to some of those accounts like the whole foods of the world and, and, and be able to supply those without just having a mana canning line. Yeah. 24 seven. Right. Um, so that, that'll in this, in the space we're sitting in now, actually this will become a canning area. So that's, that's in the works. Um, yeah. Try to maintain a good team and keep, uh, keep iterating on product and, and, you know, learning and doing the best we can. Yeah. And maybe a championship title at the Ventura raceway. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just cap it off. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but yeah. Cool, man. Well, uh, yeah, I, I definitely feel like, you know, anyone that's sleeping on transmission or just doesn't know about it, like, this is the call to action here. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been trying to, uh, to tout the, to blow the horn for transmission uh, for the past few years and, um, I really just think that you guys are doing a really 
incredible job with such a small team um, and with the system that you have, the care that you're putting into it. Obviously, the hospitality aspect is a big thing here. So you got to come up and experience it for yourself. You know, get some pizza, hit that rooftop deck. Like, there's really nothing better. Like, yeah. it's, it's a great experience. So I, mm. I definitely feel like, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, just make the trip. Next weekend that you have <laughs> free, come on up, do it. You know, there's a, there's a few other spots in Ventura that, that I think make this trip uh, for anyone that's not in Ventura. Um you know, pretty, uh, appealing, right? There's some, yeah. some cool spots like Ventura yeah. has come up pretty well over the past few years. Beer, beer quality in, in Ventura is great. Yeah. I mean, I think you always see that when you travel, you yeah. see what other areas have to offer and, and, and it makes you appreciate home even more. Yeah. Um, that we have some really cool breweries doing good stuff and, and a, and a good community around it. Um, and thank you for touting <laughs> hogging the horn for us. Yeah, um, man. We appreciate everything you do for the industry, and, and I think it's, it's great. Yeah, keep brewing the good stuff, and uh, cheers, man. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I had a blast drinking lagers and talking beer with Carrie. If you haven't visited Transmission Brewing yet, this is me putting you on notice. So go up to Ventura, head up to the rooftop deck at Transmission for a glass of Hellas and some pizza while taking in that picturesque Ventura coastline. You can thank me later. Thanks to Carrie for joining me and thanks to all of you for listening once again. If you enjoyed this episode, follow, subscribe, rate, review, do all those things. But most importantly, join our free email newsletter. We're putting out new stuff every single week and I want to make sure that you're in the loop. Hopped.com slash subscribe. Do it now. Happy holidays to everyone listening. I hope you're drinking some great beer with family and friends this season. We'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.